All right, Zig on the top. Today on the show, we have drummer extraordinaire Steve Smiley Barnard. Steve is an English musician, singer, songwriter, music producer, best known for his drumming, and has worked with groups such as The Mock Turtles, Robbie Williams, Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, Archive, Holy Holy, and The Alarm. And that really is just naming a few. Steve has a book out. It's called Clang! Smiley Drops a Few. And it's a fascinating and really fun read. Every time there's a famous name, the word clang is put before it. And it's really, I, I highly recommend the audiobook because you hear clang a lot. And, and it's, it's quite fun. Also, Steve's on tour with Archive throughout November. And uh, he's got a solo album coming out at one point when he returns from tour with Archive. This was a really fun conversation. Steve is a very positive and delightful individual. Um, The one thing that was not so positive about this conversation is Zoom. Zoom, like, cut it off halfway in between, and it made me wait, like, ten minutes before I can start the call again. It was all sorts of a mess. Most of it's cut out. I kept a little of it in, so you had context of... Of what? This what? Now they're talking about this, so so it made a little bit more sense. But um, yeah, I highly recommend. I highly recommend. Um, Clang, Smiley drops a few. It's a really positive insight into like the music business. And coming from a guy who got to play with legends, we're talking Joe Strummer, we're talking Robbie Williams, we're talking some very impactful musicians, right? To be a part of that whole ship for some of like with Strummer at the beginning movements, right? To be really in the band and then to be let go to do something else. Being able to positively pivot and keep going and still keep going, right? It's not an easy thing to do. And throughout Steve's story in his book, he he illustrates that by leading by example, which is why I can't recommend Steve's book enough. That being said, if you like what you hear during this conversation, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, helps me keep talking to cool guests like Steve and sharing their insights with you. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation. But my first question, can you tell me about working or studying with uh, Mr. T? With Mr. Taylor? Mm-hmm. Johnny Taylor. Well, now John Taylor was a fascinating character. He uh, he was like an old-fashioned English jazz drummer, and 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 he was he was so cool. And all I remember is he used to have, wear hush puppy shoes. <laughs> and I was about twelve years old, and and I was that kid who everybody said, "Oh, he's the amazing drummer." You know, the twelve-year-old kid that everybody thinks, and you're not. You think you are. <laughs> you're not. You're good, but you're not. So my dad said, well, look, I'll tell you what, let's get you some lessons with some, somebody different. And I wasn't a jazz drummer in the slightest, but he said, go and see this jazz guy. And I did, and he was so cool. And he would kind of, he started to teach me to read, but I was a rubbish reader. I was always just a player. And, um, and he used to let me play, he used to show me, and then he'd sit down at the kit and he'd just do a bit. And all I remember was his house pocket shoes. Right? And then after about um, three or four years, he really did teach me to swing and, and jazz. And, uh, but he was trying to teach me to read, right? And I was so bad at it. And one day uh, I, was, I was playing along to some music. He used to put like a record on and we'd play along. And um, I think it was a Beatles tune. So I was playing it and I clearly wasn't reading it. And he, and he walks across mid-song and he just shut the music. 
in front of me. <laughs> and he said to me at the end, he said, um, in all my years of teaching, he said, you're in the top two most natural drummers. He went, and you're in the bottom two readers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was it for my uh, my stint at reading. And then, um, but no, he he was amazing. He taught me to he taught me to swing, you know. And that's I've carried that on. Everything I've ever done, recorded or live, everybody says about groove and swing. That came from him, you know, because he he taught me something different. Gotcha. And like when before that, were you you were just studying on your own, or were you working with someone else? I was doing it on my own. I was that kid, as I say, who started playing in his high chair and, and could play along. And then I used to just play along to records all day long. And we had a guy when I was young, about kind of 10 or 11, he used to come to our school. Right? And there were three of us learning drums and he would stand in front of us with a snare yeah. drum. And we weren't allowed a snare drum. So we had a table like this, right? Yeah. We would stand <laughs> with sticks. And he would play. He was an old guy. He used to like smoke cigarettes. It's quite arrogant, if I remember rightly. <laughs> and um, and I was obviously quite good as a kid, you know that that kid, the annoying one. And um, and so he would kind of go, "Hey, but can you do this?" And and I I I would just look at him and go, and he would kind of go, "Hang on a minute, what about this?" And do some kind of and I could do it, and yeah. I think it got really on his nerves really quickly. <laughs> and I and I just I wasn't really learning anything off him, you know. I was kind of I was just sitting, playing along to glam, glam music, and yeah. and you know, and like and stuff like that in my bedroom. And that's what taught me more than anything. I think just playing along to records. That's amazing. It's one like what he was ultimately that kind of like rudiments. Looking back, that he yeah. was trying to like have yeah, 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 absolutely, and. And he probably taught me more than I realised because yeah. obviously he taught me paradiddles and, and 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 I remember clearly the one thing he used to start with would be a start slow, yeah, yeah. and get faster, right, and then go to the to your peak of your speed, and then slow down again. I always remembered that, and I and I and it and it, it stuck with me. And that was a at the time it just felt like a little silly rudiment, but actually it's a really it's a brilliant thing because it doesn't really matter how fast you can play. Right. It's 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 getting there and how you get there. Everybody's got different speeds, and I don't think speed is a particular qualification of being a good drummer. It's like somebody who's a footballer who can run faster than another doesn't make them a better footballer. You know, it's like right. it's control and it's and it's feel and it's groove and it's and swing and so that was a really really good. You know, if I don't teach, I've never taught. But when I have just had friends of friends, you know, kids who are drummers, and they've said, "Oh, can you show them a couple of things?" I've t I've shown them that, and I've I've said, "Start as slow as you can, yeah, and then get to as fast as you can, as slowly as you can, and then hold it, and then come back down again." And it's actually a really cool trick if you think about it, right? And well, then it works for double double stroke, and it works for paradiddles, and you know. It's harder to play slow than it is fast. You know that, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, I think it's also when you get to that place where you place that fast fill or fast lick, it's more accurate because you spent time doing it slow. Yeah. And like it, it yeah. it's not just falling in. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Absolutely right. Yeah. That kind yeah. of blows my mind because reading your book, you've done like 
everything in the music career I can think of, like <laughs> doing the original gigs, doing the cover gigs, doing the wedding band circuits, doing the recordings. Yeah. Like, so that's cool. It's a, it's a feat to, to dodge the teaching. Good on you. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah a whole well, it's lane. funny because a lot of people, that's the question I get asked a lot because obviously yeah. getting to my age, a lot of people I know my age have got kids who are, you know, mid-teens. And obviously a lot of them have got, you know, they want to play the drums, blah, 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 right. blah. And they all say, oh, I know a drummer, you know, da, da, da. Let me, let me ask, what would you, what, what advice would you give? And I would say to them, well, look, the best advice I can give, get in a covers band, man. Yeah. Get in a, get in a covers band. And every night, I, way I did it for years was, I didn't just go and play those tunes. I became that drummer for that four minute song. So when we went out and we were doing Zeppelin, I would sit as if I was Bonham, right? And then I would look, I'd kind of put the shoulders into it and all that. Yeah. And then when we did a Who song, I would lean like, forward a little bit and I would be like Keith and, and, and then Ringo with the slow feels with the left hand and all that. Charlie Watts leaving off the, the hi-hat with the snare beat, right? Now that doesn't sound like much, but that's utter genius, right? Now, if you can mirror those guys, and then many a time I've gone into a session and some I've said, well, what do you want? And they've gone, can you play with Charlie Watts? I go, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Charlie Watts bill and I know to take the take the hat off, you know, and, and the, they love that. They love things like that, you know. So I think if you can immerse yourself in all those different drummers and then take a piece of them to what you then put down originally, you know, Dave Grohl, man. You know, it's you know what I mean? Like it's it's the greatest drum fill ever, which he said the other day he stole. Did you read that? Right, right. I forget what he stole from the Gap Band. The Gap was it Gap Band? Okay, I thought it was that or the Band Marines. That old disco band. Yeah. He was telling he was telling Pharrell Williams, and I was I was I was laughing so hard because Pharrell's face was like, what? He went, Yeah, I stole it from like Tony Thompson. You know, and and Chic and and yeah. the Gap Band, all those old disco songs, are used for the greatest grunge album ever. That's a, that just shows you, doesn't it? You know, it, it, inspiration comes from so many different angles. You know, that's true, and that's true, and all that funnels into whoever that person is. If it's you, or if it's Dave Grohl, mm. if it's me, like all those bits of stuff you hear collide when they need to. Um, and I think yeah, as far sure. as like a feel based thing to try to imitate how it looks like, how someone's feeling it. I, I can't think of a more appropriate way to kind of address someone's playing like that. Um, mm. But you've also hung out with Dave Grohl, right? <laughs> I did hang out with Dave Grohl. <laughs> Were well, we um, back in 2000, I think it was, I was playing for Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. So we did a, a, a festival in Australia called the Big Day Out, which is the most amazing festival because you got to play all the, all the big cities in Australia, but you would play at this massive 60,000 festival, but then the festival would kind of move across Australia. Yeah. So you'd have four days off. Right? <laughs> they called it the big day off. Anyway, <laughs> there was amazing lineup, right? It was the, it was the Foo Fighters, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blink-182, Primal Scream, Joe Strummer, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we, in, in between the festivals, you, a lot of people put club shows in, right? So you would play. So we played in in Sydney, a place called the Sydney Metro, which is a great club, holds about a thousand people, right? So I was sitting in the dressing room, and uh, 
And this guy came in and he looked at me, he went, but you're nervous, aren't you? And I said, uh, not particularly, why? And he went, you don't know who's here, do you? And I said, no, who? He went, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, Chad Smith, um, uh, what's his name? Blinks, Jomma. Um, um, oh, Eric. you know, Travis, Travis. Travis and, um, yeah, and, and, and Darren Mooney from Primal Scream. They're all in the audience, right? <laughs> and I had to walk out. And I could see them. They were all together as well. And that was one of them. It was so funny. But then Chad Smith, we finished the, so- the set, and Chad Smith was waiting on the side of the stage. Big hug. So, yeah. And then I met Dave Grohl the next day on the roof. We were on, there was a pool on the roof and I just sat and chatted to him and he was lovely. He was absolutely, everything you think of him, he is. Yeah. He's a really, really lovely man and 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 anybody I know who knows him or work with him, they say the same, man. He's just a dude. He's a he's one of us, you know. He's um, if, if he did this, he would do it in the same way as you or I. So, yeah, he's one of us, definitely. That's awesome. That's so, that's, what a crazy, like, uh, at the, uh, on your end, like every drummer's watching. Oh shit! You know, I know, I know. Why? Right? And and that and that's a really weird thing. Like, because because your brain says, "Do I have to do something special? Yeah. Do I have to put in extra fills or 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 to impress them? Right. Right. And then the older you get, the, the more you realize, the less you do that, the more you'll impress them. If you hold down a groove four minutes right without putting some stupid double bass drum triple paradiddle in right you, real real play like i produced a lot right and i get drummers in my studio all the time and the more i can get them to play a track with like hardly any fills and just a solid groove man i love it and i'm i'm like give us a hug you know it's fantastic and i think and i think drummers are the same i think you know it doesn't impress anybody if you sit and do these, these, you know, stupid fills that aren't for the song. Right. But if you if you nail a groove and you nail like the intro to it was, you know, when we do Shrummer, and then we I think we opened with London Calling, which is literally bat, 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 bat. Right. And I played it exactly the same as the record because that's the song, you know? And it's like nothing clever. Right. Every single person in the room could do it, but they were all looking at me going, Yeah, man. Yeah. And I thought, I am doing it. So I'm the man. You know, so yeah, I've learned over the years. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't impress people to show off at all. Mm. You you play for the song and every musician in the room will come up and give you a hug and say, Yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. It's all about music, man. It's all about the song. The drummer should be the piece of the jigsaw. If there's four people in a band, you should be that 25%. No more and no less. You should fit that that piece of jigsaw and you should slide into it and then let everybody else do their thing. And if you try and be 60-70% and overplay everything, you spoil it, you know? I think that I think that's very well said. And like a drummer that that kind of that would pull maybe from oh this guy's trying to take advantage of being in this cool spot right now as opposed mm. to serving yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, so I yeah, think that's exactly that's, on a, on a, I guess, a cynical take of it, but like that's a really, I think that's really sound advice. Um, mm. And you've you've played like clang with everybody, like going through <laughs> your list and like just the hat, like the the ones that weren't recorded, the guest appearances and stuff, and like 
the opportunities that were there then weren't there. But one I found that was so wild to read was when you were in the Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> can, can you tell me about that session? With no okay. What would be really funny is if this interview finished now and everybody went, what? He <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, yeah. He's, he's lying. He's, he's clearly lying. No, the, the story of the Jim Hendrix experience was I, I had a friend in Ireland mm-hmm. uh, who was a producer and he was working with Noel Redding mm-hmm. of the Jimmy Hendrix experience. And he's, he rang me and he said, look, I've got two albums I'm working on. I'm working with Roy Harper, who's a really famous folk singer. Right, let's and he said, and I'm working with Noel Redding. And I, he said, uh, and I think he said to me, um, so I want you to record Roy's album, but while you're here, do you want to do a show with Noel? And I was like, yeah, 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 like a little you know, Irish bar. And then he said, actually, there's a track we need drums on when you put drums on. So anyway, went to the studio. There was Noel Redding. He was an old man by this time, you know, mm-hmm. but it was still not ready until, yeah. you know, anyway, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, Oh, it's an old track. We, we just need some, some new drums on it. I'm like, okay. So I put some drums on it. And anyway, about five years later, I saw the producer in England. And I just happened to bump into him and he was like, Hey, how are you doing? And he went, yeah. And he said, uh, do you remember that song you did that track for Noel Redding? I said, yeah. And he went, well, they found the original guitar part for it as well. And I said, all right. He went, Jimmy's part. And I went, what? He went, so he said, you're basically on that song. You're in G- the Jimi Hendrix experience with Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull on, on the flute. Do you what? know what? I've never heard it. What? I've never heard the track. He said, oh, I'll send you a copy. And he never sent it to me. Uh... So I've never heard it. So... So I've dined out on that story for years, but I've never actually heard the track. Do you, do you know what it's called? What's the what's the name? No, of the, no. Okay. I can't remember. I can't remember. It was it was one of those. I don't know whether it was released either. Yeah. I don't know whether it actually came out. Um, but it's a great story. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an incredible story. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. It's not. I, I swear to God, it's true. But I, I've never heard the track, which is hilarious. Really, if you think about that in itself, you know. If you're on a track with them and you've never actually heard the track. Well, I got to imagine with like someone like you who does a bunch of studio work and work with a bunch of session work, like that happens maybe more mm-hmm. often than not. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. And also the other thing is because drums go on quite early in tracks, mm-hmm. um, they can change. Um, and, and, and you often later down the line, you hear track and you sit there and go, is that me? Is that is that me playing? And and you never want to ask because yeah. you know you've got a credit on it, and it says drums by Smiley, blah 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 blah. And you just think, I've got this sneaky suspicion. I I've, I've personally have got a feeling that there are tracks out there with my name on it, and I don't think I'm playing. <laughs> and I know for a fact that there are tracks out there, for 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 instance, that other people's names on, and I know that's me because I got another great story. I, I worked with um, Richard Archer from Hard Fight. Do you know Hard Fight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Richard, Richard's a really good mate of mine, right? And Richard was producing this young band, right? This young signed band. And um, anyway, he rang me up about 10 o'clock at night one night. And I was I was about to go to bed. And he went, you've, you've got to do me a favor. And I went, what? He said, can you come to the studio? I said, uh, yeah, when? He went, now. 
<laughs> I went, Rich, Rich, it's 10 o'clock. He went, seriously, man, I absolutely need you. I went, okay, all right. So I said to my wife, um, <laughs> I'm just going to Richard's. She's like, it's 10 o'clock. Anyway, so I got to Richard's and he said, right, I've got a problem. He went, this track has to be given to the record company at 10 o'clock in the morning, finished, mastered everything. I went, right. He went, I cannot get the drums right. He said, it doesn't matter what I do, what I chop, how I make. He said, I cannot get them to sit. I went, right. He said, I need you to redo the drums, but you've got to do them in the style of the band so the band don't know it's not their drummer. Yeah. So he said, so you've got. So then I realised what was going on. So the, so the drummer wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the feels were like, and the feel was, yeah. So he said, you've basically got to play crap, but in time with feel. Okay. And he's like, and you've got to do the feels, and you've got to do the same feels. And I, I said, Rich, the feels are terrible. He went, I know. He went, but you've got to do them. So I was kind of playing badly, yeah. but in time, right? Anyway, we did it, and uh, and he rang me up the next morning. He said, the guy from the record company turned up. The whole band turned up. They pressed play, and the whole band sat there nodding, and the record company guy went, yeah, perfect, ah. and none of them knew. And you know what? They still don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> Until now, yeah. Oh, wow. But, you know, like, with all the, like, the record companies and stuff, like, there's so much stuff moving, like, I could, I can get, and when you do, when you get asked to do sessions like that, I can understand when you'd be like, I don't know if that's me or not, like. Well, yeah, you generally um, do. I, I, there's, I think you, I think sometimes there's quite a long gap as well between you doing yeah. something, so you hear it a lot later. And, of course, the track's changed quite, quite significantly. I think people chop into your playing sometimes, and they'll, maybe take bits and move it and all that. But yeah, it's generally that. Okay. Well, that, that also makes sense too, because it's all recording kind of magic too. But you know what I mean? Like as far as like there's edits and cuts and like stuff. No, there's no, I always say that Dave, I always say that to whenever I do anything for anybody, I did an album last weekend for a guy in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. right? never met him, (laughs) but he just sent me 10 tracks and I did all 10 tracks. And then, the producer came back and said, wow, I love this, this, and this. Can you change this, this, and this? I said, yep, did it, blah, blah, blah. And I always, and I say the same thing when they said, yeah, this is great, it's done, and I send them all the the web files and stuff. And I said, look, you can do whatever you want with it. You want to chop it up, you want to move some fills, you want to put that there, or you be my guest, I don't mind. And they like that because it does give them, the, it, you know, it's not you're not precious about what you've done. Right. It gives them free license because so often when I'm producing, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes think the fill in the third verse is better than the one in the second verse. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if I could say, well, you often do it, you just don't say anything. Yeah. And but to be to have someone who says, Oh, yeah, do what you want, it's a really nice thing, you know, and it helps a lot. Well, and did a this kind of like a letting go of like yourself in a way like is that something like from playing in a bunch of like uh, cover bands at first and in a bunch of different projects was that kind of like a a, a philosophy or mindset that you came into these uh, projects with or kind of came out of these projects with uh i, I kind of grew into them after I, the more i did them and the more i started to notice that 
a lot of people were kind of cornered in many ways. They were stuck, especially as technology changed over yeah. the years. Now it's easy. Everything's on the grid now, you know, like everything's to a click. It doesn't matter what you're doing, it's to a click. So obviously you can just pick something up and move it. You right. couldn't do that years ago. When I first started doing it, it was on tape. So if they had to change anything, they had to cut the tape with, uh, you know, yeah. razor blades. And oh, that's really showing my age. Isn't it? Um, but, 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 but now like, I do it every day, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll someone, you know, the number of drum takes I, I get in here by a drummer who possibly isn't great. And I have to take that first eight bars and I use that again. If it, where he strayed, maybe that's no big deal. It doesn't matter. It's still him, but you know, you, you, you just say, am I right to play with this? And they all go, oh, yeah, 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 sure. And that's, I think that's the philosophy these days of people. It's a good thing to have. And it's a very nice thing to say to people as well. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I agree because I think it's almost like a, a, when you're doing that, you're editing, not like in the sense of, it, 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 like if you were writing a paper or writing a, a book or a story, you, mm. you have your fr- uh, first draft and you're like, oh, that sounds better if it came before that sentence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, of course. Especially if you get, especially working with producers, you have to, you have to, very often it's, you've got the artist and then you've got the producer and it's very hard to get past both of them because the producer will invariably say, oh, actually, could you do this and this to, to, to kind of prove his worth as, as why he's producing the record and the artist isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So often the artist will go, I love it. It's great. It's perfect. And then the producer will go, actually, mm, I, could you do this, this, and this? So it, there's like a, a kind of, there's a, there's a thinking in it where if you say to them, well, look, take this as it is, but if you want to chop into it, you go for your life. And they'll go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, great. And it gives them carte blanche to do what they want because the basics are all in, you know, the, um, you know, the, 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 the ingredients are all there. It's just how they restructure it, which is no problem. I've never had a problem with that. Yeah. No, and like I, I totally I, that process, that kind of two check process. Like I, I agree with that because I've been like in the in the session room and been super stoked. Oh, that sounds great. That was awesome, and not heard that it started late. You know what I mean? Like I heard the yeah. the general yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So I understand yeah. like having someone be like, well. <sighs> that harmony is great, but it's not lined up right with the word, you know, or whatever. Like mm. it's good yeah, to have that yeah. being away from like an artist's mind. And like, that's one thing I think that's really cool about, or one thing I think it's very important about working in a studio with other people. Like a lot of people are doing it kind of now on their own and like, it's awesome to learn all that stuff. But I think it's also very important to work with others and get that kind of check, mm. Mm. you know? I think, yeah, very much. But also you've got to learn some, work with people because I do it from both sides. I do it as the drummer on sessions, but then I do it as a producer. So I have to be the drummer's best friend. Now, when a drummer comes to me, invariably they're, they're in two mindsets. They can be a bit intimidated, which I suppose a drummer producer could be intimidating, but they love to be schooled and coached and encouraged. And, and you say, so they play the track and you go, whoa, dude, that fill in the middle is amazing. And they go, really? And they go, oh, wow, seriously, the fill. And they kind of, in front of their the band, go, which one? The, the one that leads into the middle eight. That's amazing. By the way, don't do any of the other fills in the whole song. But that fill, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they'll go, 
okay, because <laughs> they're because they're still they're still kind of looking at the positive, right? Right. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's an old mind trick, man. It's a Jedi mind trick, and and it works. It I, definitely well, worked. I think that works in like any situation. You're like, I really like yeah, how you rung yeah. up this and returned my item, but <laughs> like, Phil- yeah, yeah, and and there's no doubt about it with the, with human nature. If you're nice to somebody, they will invariably be nice back to you. If you're an ass, they get they've got an excuse to kind of go see you later, right? You know? Right, right, and that's and it does. It, it it's the same for any any walk of life. I think no, I definitely agree with that. Um, does like and like working with as many groups as you have, like, um, and and the nickname Smiley, I, I kind of assume that was your mo going into a lot of this, was just being kind of ex- like grateful for the opportunities. Um, yeah. Or was that also kind of a learned uh, trade? The takeaway was this positive, because like I definitely as a producer. Um, I, I believe you said it in the book, and I, I see it all the time working with people. You are kind of like a psychiatrist. You are kind of like aiding yeah. them because yeah, very much so, very much so. Like uh, yeah, and I think yeah, the, the the more the more you do it as well, the more you realize. I I I I learned quite early on that a producer and an engineer are two completely different people. Right mm-hmm. now, you are way I work, run my studio. I do both, so obviously I've. From an engineer's point of view, you need to know how to mic up properly. You need to know compressors, reverbs, blah, 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 blah. But producing is about getting that performance out of that musician who possibly is not at ease with with when the red light goes on, isn't possibly um, confident in their own playing, and you need to draw out and obviously – I'm sure you you know this yourself. If if you don't get it right in the first couple of takes, people start to think about things. The confidence levels go mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. They start to choke a little bit. Yeah. So you really need to go with the idea that I am going to get this take out of this guy in the second or third go, right? And and so you you always keep the first one, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little trick. <laughs> and then generally the second one, the second one is the best one. And then what you do is you say, oh, we'll just do a third one just in case. And then you basically, you've got all three to, to dip into. But it's all about confidence and all about positivity and encouragement. Um, and I've always done that. I th- I've always been that sort of person anyway. So, you know, people, people like that. People like that way of working. No, and I, I think that's well said. But to kind of jump in, can I ask you some Joe Strummer bits? Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Go on then. Um, so, you've been getting all these session calls and stuff and like you get one for Joe um, and you jump into what was it Forbidden City was that the first track you tracked with him well yeah it was um, or was it basically uh, the album no it was Forbidden City the, the album was done the album was finished and and, and uh, Jed Lynch was going to do it he um, plays Peter Gabriel beautiful man Beautiful drummer. Yeah. He had the gig. He was the mescalero and he did the album and it was cool. And then he got offered Marianne Faithful, right? And and he chose the Marianne gig over Strummer, right? At which Strummer was not happy about that at all. So then it went round, well, we're going to have to get another drummer. And then someone said, well, what about Smiley? Blah, blah, blah. I think I'd done, who'd I done? Robbie Williams, I think I'd just done. 
with two of the guys in Shomer's band. There you go. That's how it worked. Uh, okay. okay. And 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 when I got there, I had to kind of play what along to what Jed had already done to show that I could do it. And then Shomer said, <laughs> in Shomer's way, give the boy a track. Give the boy a track. We, we must have another track. And someone went, well, we haven't done Forbidden City yet. And he went, give the boy the track. Me being the boy. And so I did the track. And then they got a phone call from Jed saying the Marianne gig had fallen through and he was still available. And they had to decide that day, do they go with me or do they go with him? And uh, and I got it. I'm, but I did the beautiful thing. I rang Jed that night and I said, do you know what they're doing? They're going to decide, uh, you know, do you want me to walk away? And he was like, no, 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 no. If they go with you, they go with you. I said, you sure? And he went, yeah, 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 cool. So I went, okay, great. And that's how you should do it. You know, right. you, you should never steal someone's gig. If someone offers you the gig, if it's someone else's gig, you should always just say to them, look, what do you want me to do? And invariably they'll say, well, whatever will be, will be, you know, if they want you. It's people who go in behind people's backs and things, but it does happen, which is sadly. Um, but yeah, that's how I got it, basically. Well, I think, I think one, like one lesson I've taken from reading your book is what you just said there, that always kind of talking with the other guy, you mm. know, or other girl who's getting the gig and being like, mm. Uh, kind of, you know, keeping that that negative, like uh, sneaky backseatedness yeah. out of someone's psyche. I think yeah. that's such an important thing to make a healthy like career for everybody involved. So no one's like in like. I, I definitely agree. A lot of people get opportunities and just say nothing. Mm. And it's, it's also, I think it's 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 also um, you've got to be very very careful because mm -hmm. you can you can say something. And you don't realize you said it. And that person will tell that person. And that person will tell that person. And it goes round. And I've, a couple of times I've done it. I, I, I made, a, I made a, a funny comment once on Facebook about something. Oh, no. And, I, and, and, it went, and it went full circle to the point where somebody's in the band's boyfriend rang me and said, I've I've just heard of what you said that my girlfriend is in the and I was like whoa 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 I was just yeah. kidding man and and that, and I thought God you know you got to watch what you say especially when you write it down you know but yeah yeah so you have got to be a bit careful well for sure for sure but I mean just like reaching out and like doing that one on one I think that's such a like that's a, such a hard thing to do yeah. because it's a kind of a tense environment but that out of reading out of reading your book that's one of the takeaways i took cuz i that happens kind of a few times like yeah. um but anyway so when you're tracking with joe is he like is it uh, the drums already there is he like kind of being is he telling you what to play is he giving you some like Put some Spanish guitars on it, yeah. Some like Joe Strummerisms, but or like he's 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 crazy. Well, he was, you know, God bless him. But um, <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he was he was he was crazy, man. And, and and that's what makes him so different. He would, you know, he would say, you know, this, this, as you as you rightly say, this needs some. Let's get some Spanish guitar on this, and you go Spanish guitar. But that's the Strummerism. That's what sets him apart. You know, that's what makes him a legend. You know. Um, so yeah, he, he never told no. He like I did Forbidden City for him, and he loved it. And then anything from that point on was always live. And he never, never questioned me ever, ever once yeah. said, 
you're playing that wrong or I don't like that. He used to vibe off the stage. He used to get good vibes off him. You know, he'd turn around. Mm. And I used to follow his leg. His leg obviously did that, didn't it? So he had amazing yeah. rhythm. So I used to watch his left leg and I just play. And if he wanted to speed things up, he just followed his leg. Great. So, okay. yeah, he's amazing. Um, so, okay, so it goes from that and, like, what was there, like, I guess live, was there any of those weird, like, add a, add a mumbo beat or something like that? Was there any, like... <laughs> and I used to break, you know I mean? he used to break things down. And he used to, yeah, he used to, he used to, like, confusion. And he used to love causing a bit of chaos in the crowd and, you know, he'd pick yeah. a fight with someone who, and he didn't really mean it. He didn't, and he'd pretend, and, you know, and you were always a little bit like, what is he going to do next? And you'd be waiting, and he'd kind of go, smiley! And you'd go, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, so you'd have to be kind of one step ahead of him. If he, if he called you, go! You know, you, you'd have to yeah. start that tune. But you, also, you didn't want to kind of cut across. If he was saying something, it usually meant something, you know, with, well, right. I'll say that half of it was nonsense, but you know, it was, <laughs> he was in the moment more than anybody I've ever met. You know, he was, it was frightening. It was just, you know, and that was what made him so special and so different. So you had to be on alert. You had to have your, be ready to go when he clicked his fingers, you know? So, yeah. What was that? Well, as a drummer, that's already kind of a feat, but to be with like, someone that kind of charismatic and in the moment I mm. imagine it's like a doubled feat <laughs> like yeah yeah and you just have to be ready man you have to it, it's it's funny it can be really funny um one more question with joe uh the, the, you guys had to do strummer watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so strummer watch i learned when after the first few days on tour like couple of the guys were waking up looking pretty, pretty rough. And I just thought they'd just been up drinking. And then one night someone said, who's on Strummer Watch tonight? And, it, and they went, uh, Smiley is. And I was like, what's Strummer Watch? And they all laughed. They were like, you have no idea. <laughs> Basically, he was quite nocturnal, Joe. He didn't, he didn't go to bed. Um, and so he would basically, Strummer Watch meant he would pick on someone and basically sit them down get a bottle of brandy and then interrogate them. Like literally he would want to know everything about you, about your childhood, about your, your, your influences, you know, your, your, your thoughts on life whilst topping your brandy up. It was hilarious. Right? And, I, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, Oh my, the next day I felt so rough. Cause, cause he, you know, he just kept topping me up, you know, but um, yeah. it was amazing. And, and he had this thing about him where, I always explained it that if you introduced him to somebody, he was more in interested than in them than they were in him in many ways. He loved interrogating people. If you said, oh, Joe, this is so-and-so, he'd turn around and 20 minutes later, he'd still be asking him questions about, you know, his, his life, which, which I found fascinating, you know, it's amazing. Because most celebrities are just kind of, oh, hi, and that's all you'll get out of them. So he was... Uh, yeah, he was always interested in others. It was it's a great trait though. Yeah. I, I definitely I think with anyone, if you show interest in them, you know what I mean, like they they light up in a different way. Yeah. And like Well genuine interest. It, genuine right, interest. Genuine interest. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the key difference. If you're putting mm. it on, people know. People know when you're oh. but when you're <laughs> when you're genuinely like 
curious about them, you 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 kind of take this away, and they take away something from that moment. And I think maybe that's that in the moment thing you're kind of talking about with them. Like that's a really I think. Well, it's a way to be in the moment with somebody. Well, it's 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 also basic people skills, right? And it's also basic um, manners that I've always tried to instill in my kids or whatever. That basically, it's funny because I had my my best friend's Australian, right? And and the the best trait I ever the best trait I was ever taught. (laughs) Yeah, right. So that's that's where we left off. What? Oh, uh, you said the best trait I was ever taught. Then it cut. It was like perfectly timed to keep us in suspense. Oh, <laughs> what, was, what was the best trait I ever? What was it in relation? <laughs> I can't, oh my god, we I can't. Were going out as, <laughs> um, we were going out as strummer. Um, strummer watch. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember what what, what was the best trait I was ever taught. I don't know. In conjunction with what? Um, we were talking about like talking with people, working with people, like how like if you have a genuine oh, interest. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. So my Australian best mate, yes, <laughs> yes, so my, yes. That's it. So my Australian best mate, the best thing he ever taught me, because I think Australians got a really brilliant outlook on life, right? And I, and and I learned so much from him. But the main thing I always learned, and it's such a small thing, right, is when. Ever anybody asks how you are, you reply with, I'm good. How are you? Right? It's the shortest and sharpest, and it's the nicest to talk because instantly you're 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 saying, I'm good, right? It used to go, good, how are you? Right? Which is great in itself because it's positive, but always and it make it makes them feel part of the conversation instantly. If someone goes, well, I've been doing this, 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 and this, and then I this, 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 and, this. and then they, they. But if you instantly put it back to them and say, "I'm good, man. How are you?" Right? I, it's 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 the best it's the best trait I ever got caught at all, and I've and I've and I've used it every single day in my, in my life. So yeah, it's a nice thing, man. Always always have an Australian best friend. They're great. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things too. Like you don't really think about. It. You just kind of say it. But it really does kind of mm-hmm. level the playing field for I'm here, you're here. I re- you know what I mean? Like subcon- like yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. that that is really you're not, and you're talking you're talking with somebody rather than talking at them. Right. And I think that's really important. As well. Definitely. Uh, you know, people people pick up on that a lot. Um. So a couple of things I want to ask before before uh, letting you go here is um, I really dug this the last tune you put out, Happy Ending. Um, from your from your solo work. Now, go working with all these different artists and seeing how to support them and like how the like how to emulate different drummers to to better to better a song. When it comes to writing your own song, uh, like mm-hmm. are are you thinking drumming at all, or is it are it's how far away removed no. are you from that that aspect of being in a band? I guess is my initial question. Uh, drum- Quite a way, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my process of writing is is I I I, I get into the I, I I believe songs fall out of the sky, but you got to be ready to catch them. Right? So I I set myself up when I feel like I'm ready to write. I I sit in the studio, I sit at the piano, I put an acoustic guitar next to me, and I put a piece of paper and a pen, and I literally play a chord, and then it, things start to commute. You know, it 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 falls out of the sky, and you grab it. 
drums are when I start if I've written a song and I start to record, which the recording process generally from start to finish is about an hour of like if the song is written. And then in that time, I'll put like a few guitars down, some keyboards, some bass, some drums, some vocals, some backing vocals, you know. The number of times drums are like fifth, sixth, seventh in the line. Mm. Because because you work to a loop anyway when you put in the guy, when you start. And and yeah, drum, drums and drums invariably, you just go in and knock them out and come back out. Yeah. So you know I'm in the head. It's, it's, I don't think I've ever done more than like, two takes on my own songs ever, ever. And, and I've written hundreds and cause you just know it. You just know the drums are obvious. And it's like, you know, the, that's the easy bit, you know, the chord sequence and the melody and the, and the, the words are the tricky bit. Right. Drumming's easy. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, coming from a drummer, <laughs> a drummer's. A... <laughs> mm. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but no, definitely. And like, I, it's, that's so like when you does, I guess, is that kind of a refreshing step back from being being a drummer for so long and kind of supporting everyone mm. in this way to write your own yeah. songs? Like, I guess, mm. were you doing that since uh, Vox Humana? Were you writing tunes and on your own and kind of holding them? Or were you like, was this kind of a process that you did that was a kind of a creative spark? I think, I think they were always there, mm. but I didn't know how to channel them. And then as... I got older and as I got a bit more confident and as I got a bit more, hmm. and obviously when I started playing with better musicians and realizing I was picking up so much, you know, so, and, and, and then, then just one day I thought, well, hang on a minute. I, and I start, and, and then of course the first thing you do is you write a couple of songs and then to let someone else hear them yeah. and they go, whoa, this, you've got to have the outlet for it. You know, I think um, it doesn't matter now because it's just me. So with my stuff, I, I, I've got a little team of people who, who I send the tracks to, to critique. And if I get past, if I can get past them, I know it's a good song. Um, and I, and I kind of got a couple of special people. I, I asked to play on the songs as well, you know, certain bass players or guitarists. I can I can play it to a point, but they add that little bit of extra special. So um I've just finished a new album actually. I just yeah. I, I finished recording it last week. I'm gonna I'm going on tour tomorrow right. for two months with archive and then I'm gonna get back, I'll mix it. But I'll, I'm gonna take the, the album as it is. It's recorded, yeah, it's yeah, finished, yeah. and then kind of listen and listen and listen and then make notes about what I'll do and then I'll mix it and I'll get back. It's a great way of doing it. But taking it on holiday for two months. <laughs> well, I think that's too because you, you kind of like, you get perspective on it. Like, I, I feel like when you record mm. something, you're really like, nailed it. That was great. That was great. Then you hear, well, uh, I, I stumbled the word. I made I made the word the sound like or yeah, you know what I mean, you start exactly. to hear little bits. Um, which can also... If you, if you can buy yourself, yeah, if you can buy yourself some time mm -hmm. to let it sit and then, especially like a, little, a good bit of time, if you can finish it and then give it a couple of weeks and then fresh go, like on, on tour, uh, like I'll, I'll, I'll go for a walk for hours like, and, and listen to the song. It's a great way to do it. And you'll hear something and go, all right. And then you just make notes. And then you come back from like being away. And the first thing you do is you jump in the studio and go, right, and I know what I'm going to do. In fact, the, the thing I've done more than most things is, 
when I've come back and I've gone in and redone the drums, funny enough, where I've heard something and gone, oh, man, I could have done that. Oh, I don't want to get back. And it's not a big deal because obviously yeah. everything's set up here. So you just literally walk in and press, press record. And that's another trick with recording is to have everything at hand. So everything is literally within reach. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're recording and it's like you need, let's like, see, so you sit there and you go, oh man, it's a country song. Hang yeah. on. I tell you what, it needs a bit of mandolin. <laughs> right. That, there. It's there. Yeah. Here it is. So, uh, you know, I, that was when I, when I first built the studio, that was one of the things that like, everything needs to be within reach. Not like, oh, well, you know, we really need to put some, you know, um, I don't know, Hammond organ on it. Oh, well, well, let's ring matey and he might be free next week. It's like, where's the Hammond organ? There it is. Yeah. It. You know, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to spon- spontaneously create. And I, I work really fast anyway, and I think that's a really good way. Because you know, you're just you're in the moment. If you, you know, if you take too long creatively, it can float away a little bit. You've got to grab it. You know? But uh, the habit of hand makes it all the easier. And like, it's kind of it makes me think of the. There's actually a Strummer quote: "The lyrics like lettuce, you know, they go bad mm. if you don't use them right away." I, I think inspiration yeah, yeah, yeah. can kind of be like that too. Um, speaking of archive, uh, whilst being on this current tour, will there be any more master classes? <laughs> Posted on the YouTube. <laughs> we haven't done those for years, actually. That was quite good fun. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe. But it depends how bored we get. I think it's a long tour, so uh, we might do a couple of things. Yeah, it, it's it's great, to, and people love it. People love that because you're not taking yourself too seriously as yeah. well. You know, and I think I think it's a very good trait to laugh at yourself first, and then laugh, make other people smile. It's a really nice trait. You know, yeah. No one, no one likes to be serious all the time. And like uh, those were cracking me up, man. Especially with the uh, the <laughs> miming videos, like that was awesome. But also, Archive is a pretty serious band. Like when I started diving into your stuff, I started diving into them. I'm like, oh man, these guys are all over the map. Like, and oh man, yeah. like musically, times it's kind of like the songs are like not structured traditionally at all uh, it, it's cool uh, man it's really cool it's a, they're, they're, they are they're, they're different to any other band I've ever played in I, and, and you know we're, we're talking about songwriting and stuff like that yeah. I wouldn't have a clue about how to write an archive song I don't get within a million miles you get closer to writing with archive than I do I, <laughs> I am the drummer I, I, when I go into archive well I put on my drummer's head mm. and that's it and I play drums for them on record and then I play drums live and you have to get, so I, it's great. I'm going away for two months as a drummer. That's it. Yeah. Right. And it's fantastic. We've just done two weeks rehearsals and, and you know, I'll be honest with you. The first day I couldn't play two of the tracks. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. physically do it because it was, I wasn't there yet. You know, I hadn't, plus I didn't think I had to do that bit of that song. Cause I thought it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a drum machine. So when he said, no, 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 you're playing that live. I was like, what? <laughs> and anyway, after three days, I found it. I got, I got it. You know, I found the, I found the hole. And, and, and after 10 days, it was like second nature. But it's a super challenging, like, gig. And it's, a, it's all about feel. Like, some of the times you're just literally just, just lilting along. 
And then other times you are beating the crap out of it and, and the emotion of it. It's an amazing band and one that everybody should check out musically because it's such a, a diverse back catalogue of 25 years. Of, and they are like the modern day Pink Floyd. They are. Yeah. They are. There are no rules, you know, even to the point in rehearsals when not one person in the room could tell what the time signature was of a certain song. Like, not one. And I'm going, well, one of you's got to know. And he's like going, I think it's in sevens. He's like, I think it's in thirteens. I'm like, well, it's not in eights, is it? And it's and it was hilarious. And it's not like, it, it's not prog. It's not yeah. like time signatures for the sake of it. It's just, they they don't do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, chorus. It, it's just, and they don't start here and finish here. It just kind of, you know, it can be a fifteen-minute song. You know, yeah, that's for about three songs, I'm sitting, I'm sitting waiting for six or seven minutes while the intro goes. But that is part of what I do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're fascinating. It's a fascinating group, and just like to jump from all all these projects you've worked with, and the and to be like, because you've been with Archive for a minute for for a while. Um, yeah, twenty years. Yeah. 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 I'm, 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 yeah, and 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 it's. Honestly, any of your musician friends and, and anybody who has got an appreciation for music really go, needs to go and check them out. And, yeah. and just, just, from a, just from a kind of, just to open up your mind a little bit. Because as I say, you know, you might not like it and you might not dig it, but there's something in there for everybody that you go, this is astonishing. I've confused my friends before and gone, what do you think of the new Archive album? And they just go, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't get my head around it. And others have gone, this is just the most astonishing thing I've ever heard. And others have gone, I hate it. Yeah. My sister came once. My sister came to a show once. And after the show, everybody was coming up to me going, man, that was just the most amazing thing. You're incredible. You're great. And everything. I was like, oh, thanks very much. And my sister was there. And I said, do you enjoy it? She went, no, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why? She went, I don't know. She went, I just didn't like it at <laughs> all. And I, I thought, well, to, to actually get that reaction out of somebody yeah. is actually quite cool in a way, you know. Well, but I, yeah, it was. It, I was going to say, I definitely think when that when that happens, it's it's because it's like when you hear Pair Ubu for the first time or Devo for the first time or the Stooges. Yeah, they're exactly. They're so like different in like, I don't know how I feel about this experience, you know? And yeah. Like, not yeah. liking it is, I think, a good sign that, that there's something potent there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, one more question, Smiley. I really appreciate your time. So you've been through all these different projects. That you're in the band, and then at one point, for a lot of these, it seems like they're just like, "Well, thanks for everything." Like, here's a uh, like, you, the, uh, what was it? A gold, a car, or something? Robbie Williams gave you like. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Rob, Robbie, Robbie gave me a uh, backgammon set. That, yeah, yeah. Very expensive backgammon set. But you, there's like this this uh, letting go and like, and to keep going and to not kind of get caught up in like being on a team then off the team. Like, I got to imagine that that takes a certain mindset and a certain personality to persevere through. Um, and like, so my, my question is like, how, is that like, did you, were you, is is the is the thing like being goal fo focused towards the next the next thing, or is the thing kind of like a uh, being always kind of separated and like this can drop at any moment? Is it really just yeah, I think so. that moment? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think I think that's what makes you appreciate when it's there, right? Appreciate it because it might not be there next week, but right? it doesn't matter how good you are, how amazing you are. Better players than me have been dropped from famous bands, right? So what you've got to do is you've got to be yourself and you've got to do what you do. And if that fits that band, fantastic. If they want to use someone else, it's their prerogative, you know? And so you just go, well, I'm pr- I appreciate what I've had the chance to do and I appreciate the time I have had and um, good luck and let's move on and see what's over here, you know? And, um, and yeah, it's not easy sometimes. It's quite personal, you know? Right. But um, you do learn. You do learn. Don't take it personally. You know, creativity, creatively people change direction as well, you know? Yeah. So, um you know, I'm very lucky to still be an archive because they've gone so many, but they've stuck. They've stuck with me the whole time. But I've had to adjust with them. Mm-hmm. You know, when they went through their crazy electronica, <laughs> I had to sit and play a pad for like, you know, for a gig, and it was just this horrible. But <laughs> luckily, they came out of that. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's awesome, and I think I think how you handle it, and like especially how you uh, how you wrote it in your book. On a side note. You're a really good writer. I really enjoyed listening and reading oh, your thank book. You. Um, thank I you. think it's a very positive role model, and like I really appreciate the positive insight from you and your time. So, Smiley, thank you very much. My pleasure, man. Keep in touch, won't you? Will do, will do. I'll email Keep you yeah. this, and uh, I'll, I'll send it to on the socials and stuff. And good luck on nice tour, one. my friend. God bless. Love you. Cheers, Dave. Likewise. Take care, buddy. You too. Bye, mate. Bye. Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.